the Kairos anymore But that's been a football club here since 1864 Trying to do the town or city proud Laying under the massive floodlights of the racecourse ground So, as I was just saying, it's just me and you tonight. It's all right. I hope that's all right. Just us having a romantic meal around the computers. She's <laughs> a third wheel. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Just turn the lights down and put the candles on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, our uh, order of service today is... Um, We'll go over Torquay. That was quite quite nice, wasn't it? We'll, but we won't touch on it yet. We'll go over Torquay. We've got some cracking listeners' questions. Oh, yeah. I love a listeners' question. Yeah, I've deleted all the ones that tell us that we're crap compared to Rob Ryan Red and stuff like that. So I've just... Yeah. I know just, we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, so I've got... The, there is four or five really good, good bits in there. News Roundup. Look at Oldham. Look at the score predictions, uh, and then I'm going to do some free advertising for a couple of people uh, oh, who have uh, who have uh, who who've services we've rendered this week. Ah, oh, right, okay, interesting. Uh, is that so? Uh, unless there's anything else for you to, uh, you know, I'm sure when we get to the news section, you'll, uh, you know, there's about six or seven things going on in there, so I'm sure it'll cover all bases, but we'll uh, we'll see. Yeah, obviously Oldham have signed former Wrexham player, so we can talk about an Oldham, can't we? Yeah, yeah, don't worry, we'll talk about John Rooney. <laughs> um, so, Torquay, how was your commentating duties? Yeah, very good. Um, we were in the top row of the Yale, so it was roasting when it first started. We had all the sun. Direct sunlight, yeah. Direct and I was like a bloody sauna in that stand. Um, but no first commentary service of the, uh, of the season for myself. So good to get behind the mic. Good to be in a different position as well. Um, commentary went very well. And of course, the performance and score, which we'll talk about, was the icing on the cake. I think the interesting thing for me is we won 6-0. And I wouldn't have said we got out of second or third gear, if I'm honest. Yeah, I thought that. Um, we just seemed to win 6-0 almost in, in second gear. Um, don't get me wrong, some of the football at times was excellent. Yeah. Some of the balls were, were high class, but I didn't leave the ground thinking, wow, that was one of the best performances I've seen in recent years. It was just, we come to expect that kind of um, performance and score now, which is obviously a good sign because when we do play our best and we do hit top gear, and um, someone is in for a, a big thrashing, but no, it was a, can you say it was a routine win when you win 6-0? I don't know, but it was comfortable. Yeah, I, I know what you mean when you're saying routine win. I mean, we hit the post twice, um, missed, a, you know, a couple of other half chances and bits as well. You know, we could have racked up double figures. They are interesting, Torquay, because obviously, you know, they were, didn't they get to a promotion playoff? Final a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was the COVID season, twenty twenty. Oh, and now yeah. they look like relegation fodder. Yeah, well, I think they've lost most of their good players. They were even half decent last season. They beat us and well took a point off us at home. 
But I think they've lost a few players. I think Lennon, Hay, Evans. Yeah, he was the one, wasn't he? Yeah. He's gone, along with a couple of others. The only player who was a mainstay of the side in the previous years, who's Asa Hall, the midfielder. And he looks all right, yeah, um, Saturday. But yeah, um, Gary Johnson's got his, uh, his hands tied in terms of that squad. Because Although, you know what, to be fair to Torquay going forward, I thought they looked okay. Um, Jarvis up front was a bit of a handful. You Jarvis know. Was, yeah, he was an old school sort of battering ram with a, a centre forward. I think Evans, number 11, had a decent game, caused us a few problems. Going forward, they were uh, certainly not the worst team we'll play against this season, but I think their downfall was their defence, especially from um, from set pieces. Yeah, they were. They looked like they concede every time you put a ball into their box. Yeah, that uh, Jordan Davis goal, I don't know how he ended up free. About six yards out, you know, it was, uh, you know, and then he was free at the back stick for the one where he sort of caressed it back and hit the post. Um, I mean, yeah. and I don't I don't think you can stop Aaron Hayden. That leap was incredulous. He's different. He's superhuman, isn't he? The, the leap he can get from those corners. I don't think there's a defender in the National League they'll be able to mark him when he leaps like that. It's... It's almost like a piece of nature how much of a, a leap he gets. And he's what, on three or four goals now this season. I think he'll get double figures, especially if Luke Young keeps quality ball. ball. Yeah. Oh, his, his delivery on Saturday was a was different class. Um Hayden's header, Davis's header right in the danger zone at the, the edge of the six-yard box where the keeper doesn't know whether to come, the defenders don't know what to do. Um, it's a good weapon to have, especially in the National League. So before we'll go into the ratings in a minute, the average ratings. But who 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 stood out for you in the from the commentary box? Again, it's a weird one because I didn't look at the match and think, "Wow, this player is definitely man of the match." There were a few players who were seven or eight out of ten. Um, no offence to Paul Mullen, I'm sure he won't take any offence, but I wouldn't have had him as man of the match. Not that he had a bad game, but I think there were players who played better than him. Yeah, I think the player I was leaning towards, and I'm not sure if the ratings will reflect this, was Anthony Ford. Mm-hmm. He was solid defensively. He's the most direct winger or wide player that I've seen for a few years. Always looking to take on his man. His delivery into the box is, is class. He and he nearly score. scored a wonder goal, didn't he? I was going to say, that left-footed effort in the first half, oh, the reverse angle of it, you can see, curls it around two players, and he just yes. kisses the inside of the post. That would have been a great goal. But, yeah, I would have leant towards Ford. I think Young and Jones in midfield, both quality. Um, they could have been man of the match as well. Um but it's nice to have these conversations about not knowing who you'd give it to because that many players are putting in seven, eight out of ten performances week in, week out. Um, it's hard to choose man of the match. And I think the sponsors, when they do pick more, I just think they want to more than after the match. You can't blame them, to be fair. Yeah, it's, you know, they get to meet. I think, I think they get to meet and get a shirt signed or something. So... Uh... That's why Mullin wins uh, wins a fair few of them, but yeah, I mean, I gave uh, Ford my man of the match. 
Um, uh, uh, I just thought he he had a really good complete game that that you know, and it really stood out for me. Thought he was con- a constant threat. But let's go through the uh, the average ratings, which was good this week. We had a lot of people submitted ratings. That's always good because you get good averages. Um, so uh, again, we'll do them in groups so that we can sort of uh, speed through them. So Mark Howard seven point four didn't really have a lot to do. I think he fell on one shot. That was it. I think that was it, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, there's a shot in the second half. He just flopped over. Um, yeah. Kicking was solid. Command yeah. was there as well. Did everything that was asked of him, basically. Yeah. Uh, so, fullbacks, obviously, uh, 6.6 for Jacob Mendy. Obviously, went off with that, what I'm assuming is a hamstring injury, although the club never say anything anymore, do they, about these injuries? Um, but uh, I'm assuming that's what it was. Anthony Ford, 8.5. That'll take some beating. Yeah. Um, so the centre halves, Ben Toza, 7.4, Aaron Hayden, 8.2. That gives you a little indicator of where the fans' man of the match went. Uh, and Max Cleworth, 7.6. So again, they were untroubled, really, weren't they? They kept themselves clean and uh, just got on with it. Yeah, I did think that Clayworth um, did well against Jarvis. Um, Hayden, obviously, good performance, capped off with a goal. Toza just never gets out of second gear, which is a compliment to him. This looks so assured, comfortable. Obviously, you'd expect that from a player with so much League One and League Two experience, but he is a, a Rolls Royce of a centre back. So we get into the midfield uh, Luke Young, eight, Jordan Davis, 7.9, and James Jones, 8.2. And I thought Jones was close for me to be in man of the match. I thought, again, he had a really good game. And again, nearly got a goal in the first half. That shot he had from 25 yards. Good save. Yeah, excellent save by the keeper. He has got a decent shot on him, James Jones. I'm surprised he doesn't use it more often yeah. from 25, 30 odd yards. I think in the first home game that season, he did score against not well. He put the ball in the back of the net against Notts County, but it got disallowed for an offside. That was uh, the televised one, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, it was. And it wasn't offside in in hindsight, was it? He was fractionally on, I believe. I think I was at the game, but yeah. Yeah, I think Jake Hyde was offside when they reviewed it at half time on the shock horror. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, National League referee not not doing a good job. No. <laughs> <laughs> so the front two, Paul Mullen was an eight point two, and Ollie Barber was an eight point four fractional. Uh, not much in it really. Um, and again, they you know I, I think one of the one of the things that Phil Bargain said it was not quite nice that the goals were spread around. You know, it's not just what this isn't just a a one man team. This you know exactly. You've obviously got two well the probably best strikers in the league, Mullen and Palmer, who are probably going to get you 25 goals each if they stay fit. But then it's also nice to have Davis chipping in. You know, Jones can pop up with a goal now and then. Obviously, your defenders are threats. Anthony Ford gets forward a lot. Hayden, obviously, from corners. So, So yeah, I think that will... Yeah, that will satisfy the fans to have six different goal scorers. Um, because it sends a message that we're not reliant on Mullen and Palmer yeah. at all. Yeah, absolutely, which is good. So if we look at the subs, McFadden came on and got a 7.9. I, I thought he had a really good game when he came on, actually, because he's normally quite a passive player, I find him. Um, he doesn't do a lot of aggressive movement, doesn't 
you know, his final ball sometimes lacks and stuff. But um, I think it was his cross for the Ford goal uh, right at the end. And it was a quality ball because I think Dolby nearly got it and Ford does get it. So it was a, it was just a beautiful ball. It was one of those balls you literally, as a defender, you can't defend. Because if you do get a touch on it, it's going to flash across your goal. You probably score an own goal. Yeah. You leave it, then you know there's a a play with a back post. But, yeah, you picked it up wide left, and it was a fantastic cross around the ground as well. Um, But I thought he was decent. He was solid. Like you say, he's never going to beat a man for pace or the up and down the wing um, in an attacking sense. But you know what you get with McFadden, solid. Yeah. Apart from that Chesterfield game at the start of the season, where he had a, a bit of a shock there. But he's a, he's a decent backup at left wing back. So we look at the other two that came on. Dolby come on the 7.5 um, and Elliot Lee came on with the 7.8. thought Lee was excellent because he kept the momentum going, even though we were walking the game. He was still trying to create and still trying to make stuff happen. And on the goal he created for Dolby, his run is brilliant. As he uh, lovely little outside of the foot pass, I can't remember who, who it's into. It might even be into McFadzine's feet, and then he gets it back. Um, but that run straight at a defender is like a hot knife through butter, and it just opened him up. And then he just got a toe on it to Dolby, who's six yards out or something, and smashes it home. Which and it was really interesting that everybody celebrated with him. So he'd obviously been feeling it a little bit and maybe talking to people about it. But they all ran to him to score, which was really good to see. It was, and that just shows you the team spirit within the camp is good. They're all desperate for him to score because. Yes, he's not been starting, but he's got a fair few minutes under his belt now from off the bench. And the longer you play, the more a monkey on your back it is. So, yeah. and you know what? It wasn't that easy of a finish. I know it was a... No, yeah. But he had still to control had to... it, didn't he? he to... Couldn't yeah. just rasp it because it was a the goal he was diving. I think there was a defender on the line. Um, so he did have to control where it ended. Exactly, yeah. And you know what? I don't blame him because he had a chance about five minutes later where he could have played it through to Lee, but he chose to shoot. shoot, You know what? I don't blame him. The game's it's 5-0. Why not try and double your tally? You know what? He probably could have had a hat-trick with that. He could have in the end, yeah, if you look at the chances. Um, Plus the one which Ford scored at the end. So that'll do his confidence, the world of good. Yeah. Uh, so Parky gets an eight point seven. Well, you know, again, if the results are good, Parkinson's, I think people forgive any potential mis- um, mistakes that he might make in decision making because the results good. Um, and overall, the team got a nine point one. And you know, I don't think you can argue too much with that. No, I don't think you can. You win six nil. Um, yeah. <laughs> ratings should always be high. So yeah. Um, I guess the uh, the only other thing to, to mention was the silence was impeccable. Torquay fans did really well, to be fair, because uh, you know what it's like. Uh, you're always a bit like, oh, God, here we go. So they're going to shout something. Um, but no, they were really good. And that silence for the Gresford Colliery disaster was uh, was impeccably uh, adhered to. It was. Um, and going on from the controversy of, was it, two weeks ago against Dagenham, there was always something at the back of your mind, especially with what happened against Torquay last season and the crowd trouble. But respect to Torquay, of course it goes about saying Wrexham fans would have respected it, but it was nice that it was impeccably observed, rightly so. Um, 
so yeah i'll not be with that coming no, what a good day. It was a good, great day, really. Um, and I, I guess I'll uh, I'll mention something first. I was going to save till later. But pr- prior to the match, um, I went and met with uh, Neil from 1987 till present and his brother who were in the turf doing the... Yeah. Uh, he was he, he, had a, he had a gig on. Uh, where he, was, he, he Honestly, it was great. I don't know what he was on for. Hour and a half where he did some brilliant covers, uh, played a couple of his own songs, obviously, including Someday. And um, everybody had a good time. Uh, the beer was flowing. The queues in there were re- were really big, but they got they bust through them in the turf really quick. Um, and it was a great way to warm up for the game. So to be fair to Neil, you know he's a ardent Wrexham fan. He's had the day of his life there. He's got to play at the turf just before a Wrexham game. Got to play a Wrexham song that his brother had written. And then he's seen a six nil. Doesn't get much better than that, I guess. If you're a music loving <laughs> Wrexham fan, does it? And yeah, you know, I saw some of the videos um, of him performing online on Twitter the next day, and he was—he's very good. Oh, he's got a good voice. Yeah, he's got a good voice. Very good voice. Yeah, um, and it just sounds like a great day all around. Like you say, with the weather, there's a real feel-good factor around the club at the moment. Everyone's buzzing, especially at home. There's such a a good atmosphere because we know we're going to win and win handsomely. Most of the time <laughs> against, against teams in the lower half. And, you know, I was saying this to a friend the other day. I think we need to, not that we are, but just appreciate these times because this is the probably the first time in my life as a Wrexham fan where we're seeing this side beat teams 4-5-0 at home most weekends. Um, and, of course, in a few years, if we do go up into League 2, it won't always be that way. So... I'm very much appreciating um, the way we're playing at the moment and the results because, like with any team, it's not going to last forever. <laughs> yeah, we've not historically haven't always had the players to uh, to perhaps be as cutthroat. You know, we've been scrapping around the bargain basement for forwards and attacking players, and um, you know, I was listening to the uh, second part of the fearless interview with Dean Keats today and having a laugh about Adi Youssef getting off the bus, you know, and it was just, <laughs> just, just like, you know, I remember when he joined looking at his sort of Wikipedia and thinking, what on earth is this fella? He scored about six goals in hundred games. And uh, now we've got Mullin and Palmer and Dolby and oh. Elliot Lee. And it's like, I always have flashbacks to the start of Gary Mills second season where we were signing no naughty, disrespect. Naughty, like, naughty, naughty. <laughs> Michael Bacare, I think we bought Kai Evans back from the Welsh Premier League team. And God, we were lucky to uh, to stay up that season. Um, but it makes me appreciate, like you say, Mullen and Palmer up front now. We were different to anything I've ever seen as a Wrexham fan. I agree. Right, so should we brave these listeners, uh, these submitted questions and opinions, shall we? Are you ready for the? Are you sitting comfortably? Just about, just right. about. Okay, so let me just come back to number one here because there is some, some of them to actually tied in, interestingly. So um, here's one. So uh, Damien, he hasn't put his surname, sadly, but if Mendy's injury is long-term, do we need to look into a possible transfer? McFadden had a very good game when he came on, but do we need another player to come in? So I don't know what your feelings are, but, I mean, normally with a hamstring... The bad ones are sort of three or four weeks. The really bad ones can be eight, 10, 12 weeks. Um, 
But I don't think personally that they will do anything, even if it's a bad one that's two or three months, because I think they'll utilize Hazana at left back. Because Reese Hall Johnson was meant to be back in training, I think, this week as well. So Hazana can fit in at left back, and then you've got Reese Hall Johnson to cover Ford or you know, however. So I think you've probably still got four fullbacks. Whether you like them or not is another issue, but. I think, you know, there's four bodies in there that kind of know the score. So I'll be surprised if they did something. Would you do anything? Would you, Would you? you know, even not alone, we, not even alone or anything? I mean, ugh. we don't really want to bring someone in if we think they're going to add quality to the squad and really challenge McFadden slash, uh, sorry, slash Hosanna for that left wing back position. Like I said at the start of the programme, McFadden is... Great National League standard left wing back. And if it is a long-term injury to Mendy, I'm happy for uh, for McFancy to step in there until he's back. Obviously, we saw at the back end of last season, McFancy was a, a decent player on the run we went on when we were, well, we had that long unbeaten run. Um, he was one of the key players in that team. And like you say, Bryce Azana, who Parkinson loves, um, has played at left wing back before. We know he's got similar qualities to, to Mendy in terms of getting forward, of his pace. Um, so, no, I don't think we need another wing-back, to be honest. And Unless somebody gets injured and then they might... someone else gets injured. You've also got, and maybe this is a last resort, Liam McAlinden, who, who played there a little bit last season. Yes, good point. And Dan Davis, to be fair, Dan Davis sort of was in and around the first team uh, at the start of pre-season. So he could, uh, you know, and I think Parkinson thinks a lot of him. So he can play there and and centre half. So I, I I suspect I don't think we'll do anything. And I think we've, you, I think you've confirmed that with that McAlinden one. Yeah, he's not the most spectacular of wing backs, McAlinden, but he'll do it. He'll do a job. Yeah, he'll do a job for for two or three games. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so we might not know the answer to this next one. So Clive Popplewell. Said, how much more profitable is the centenary club now compared to when fans were allowed in for nothing? Now, to be honest, I don't go in the centenary club, so I don't know how many people go in. But it was hundred pound for a season ticket, I believe, wasn't it, to go in there now? Yeah, was it ten pounds a one-off match or a hundred pound for a season ticket to go in there? So, because I don't ever go, I mean, it's more your, that would be your side when you're commentating. You should be popping in there for a hot chocolate. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I I I could I wouldn't tell you, but I mean, if there's people, they've not changed the uh, policy as far as I know. So that implies that there's they're happy with people who are going in there. Um, so there must be some people going in there, mustn't there? Yeah, there must be. Um, I'm afraid I can't answer that question. No. I don't know anybody who goes that side, who goes that side. Well, who goes that side and goes in the cent? He goes in yeah. it. Uh, I know people who go in the Bamfords, um, but um, yeah. So I don't know. But I mean, I, I, if we'd have seen a change in policy, I, then I would say it was obviously not doing what they wanted it to do. But people must be paying. Is all I can assume. Exactly. Yeah, so they've obviously bought it in as a money-making exercise, and if they've not changed their policy, then. In it's making book money. or in someone else's book, then it is making money. So, yeah. Okay, so we've got uh, two questions, actually, that tie in here. So Andy put, 
if Luke Young was to get injured and Tom O'Connor is still injured, who on earth have we got to go in that holding midfielder position? And the next question from an, another Pete was, is there a way back into the team for Tom O'Connor? Um, so again, he's another one which I, I don't think he's too far off getting back into training from the last thing, the last update that I heard. So if they were both injured, then we'd have to do something, wouldn't we? Because you wouldn't, have, if, especially if it was long term, because you wouldn't have the experience of a centre midfielder in the squad. You know, Davis fills can fill in there for half a game or a game, a push sitting deeper, but it's not his game, is it at all? You know, he wants to be running forward, um, whereas obviously O'Connor, Young, and James Jones do a lot of their work running backwards. Yeah. Um, so if Luke Young, going back to the original question, does get injured and we're still not sure about Tom O'Connor, who would play in that sort of deep-lying central midfield role? It's a tough one. I think we've seen Clayworth play there in the FA Trophy once or twice. I think McFadden played there for 20 Pretty minutes. Pretty easily played, yeah. Or Dor- Dorking it was. Dorking, yeah, yeah, yeah Dorking. Um but as we've said in previous episodes, I think myself, you and Richie, we've always been in agreement that we need probably one more central midfielder. To, anyway, uh, yeah, anyway, regardless, exactly. I would exactly, go and get yeah. one. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so. I, and it does have that. It does highlight it, doesn't it? Um, but the, Tom O'Connor, we really need to see a run of fitness off him, don't we? Because you know yeah. he, he needs to put together eight to ten weeks of. You know, whether he's starting games or coming on as a sub, he needs a good two months of getting through games because it, it's becoming really disjointed for him now. Exactly. And we signed him last January. Um, at the time, I thought he was our marquee January transfer signing. Obviously, it's turned out to be Palmer and to some extent McFadden. But yeah, we signed a central midfielder from a League One team with an impressive CV and we haven't seen the best of him at all um, in a Wrexham shirt over a course of, what, 10, 11 months. And you're right. I think it comes down to getting a run of games under his belt. Hard for any player to come back from injury or play the odd game in central midfield because it's a position where you need to um, learn how to play with the other two midfielders, get some confidence, Balance. It's about balance, isn't it? Knowing oh, if one's yeah. going, somebody's staying and that, sort of, you know, making those decisions quickly. Exactly. So I am agree- I'm with you. I think he needs five games there just to get used to playing in the team and get his confidence to grow. Because obviously on his day, when he's in form, he's a fantastic player and his previous clubs and his football and CV suggests that. And I hope because... He signed with a lot of expectation and a lot of excitement from Wrexham fans. And I just hope that at some point in the season, um, he can prove himself in central midfield. I think he played at centre-back in the match. At final. West. The Brom, yeah. final, yeah. And he was he was okay there. Um, I think but... in a game where you're expecting to dominate the football, it's a, if Pep Guardiola does it, he'll play a, 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 you know, a capable midfielder there because they're never going to get tested defensively really uh, I think remember he was a wing back at one point in his early days O'Connor so he, you know it's not too uncomfortable for him but obviously you've got then got that extra midfielder 
in key positions when you're bringing the ball out. So it gives you that extra good quality footballer. So that's why, you know, some of these super clever managers try and do it. And I just didn't think that was, it didn't work for us on that day, did it? Um, you know, he, he never really got into the game. Uh, but then he, I think that was his second or third appearance um, since he came back from injury. So, you know, what were we expecting really? Exactly, yeah. And to go back to the second question, where is there a way back into the team for him? I think at the moment, the only likely way for him to come back in the team is due to an injury to either Jones or to Luke Young. There'll be a suspension or something, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah at some point. But I don't think he'll get in there by Parkinson dropping Young or Jones. I think it'll be because Parkinson's hand is, is tied in terms of a suspension or, or an injury. That, but pre-season, I think he, he started... It looked like he was going to be starting the games, um, and because if you but then Davis wasn't playing, so he had didn't have that pressure, I guess, because Davis was carrying that injury preseason, as was Elliot Lee, so he was he, he, he could comfortably start uh, O'Connor, Young, and Jones. There was no real sort of pressure from that, was there? Um, but when you, when they're all fit, that's when you know that'll be interesting to see if we ever get to that point. Yeah, and like I say, this is the midfield of Jones Davis Young, which served us so well at the second half of last season. Um, and the results suggest this this season that midfield is working for us again. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I, I think I'm not sure how far away Tom O'Connor is from being fully fit. Um, I'm not seeing him in any of the training photos. No, I have. I was just thinking that I haven't seen him, yeah. which means they haven't put him to the front, certainly. Um, to sort of say he's nearly back, um, but uh, I remember hearing recently. Recently, I'm sure they said that Reese Hall Johnson and O'Connor were due back imminently. Well, that's good because the bigger the squad, the better chance we have. Yep. So let's hope they are back in training, and I'm sure we'll speak about this later in the program anyway. But it's nice to see Langton back in training as well. We will. Uh, we will cover it. So, last one, because uh, uh, I'd say I've deleted all the horrible ones. Uh, David <laughs> Callister, wherever he's from, uh, this isn't a question you'll be pleased to know. Carry on as you were doing. The future looks very good. That's some sort of Mystic Meg stuff, that is, isn't it? What's... <laughs> fortune <laughs> it's very nice. It's, like, it's fortune cookie stuff, that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, apparently our future looks very good. I'll take that. <laughs> um. Okay, so we will uh, we will have a break off. Um, when we come back, we'll cover off the news. We'll look at Oldham and we'll do some score predictions. So I've written down some news items here, and it's like a it's, it's like looking in. Oh, you can't see it because of my blurred out background. But it's it's like a newspaper. There's that much going on at the moment. So we'll cover them briefly and succinctly. Is that all right? Because otherwise That's we'll be fine. here forever. That sounds fine to me. We'll start with the streaming and highlights. So we'll just touch base on that. So good news. We woke up and the, I can't remember. Was it last week or the week before? I've lost track now. We woke up and they said, yeah, you can stream again. No problem. But it'll be second half of the season. Uh, and there was no real detail, was there? Correct. And then the club put out a statement. Did you see that statement this week? 
You know what? I've seen that many statements okay. about this so, uh, basically, um, I'll I'll sort of pick out some bit, some bits from the statement. So, the announcement lacks specific detail, and the club have been informed that we will have to wait until a project update is issued to all clubs. So there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a we're going to start on this date, and this is the company that we're going to be using, or what's you know there was there was none of that. Um, it was the National League and BT that rejected the the um, the application to stream games immediately. So it wasn't just BT, the National League as well said, no, 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 you can't do anything yet. You've got to wait for us to do it and for it to be centralised. Uh, and I think that basically the club have tried to sort of bounce it back to them and say, listen, we accept that you, we're going to have to wait till the second half of the season. Um, so get your ship in order, let everybody know what's going on and when. In the interim period, what we don't understand, given the fact that we've said that any money made from streaming will be split amongst the national league clubs why aren't we able to stream and that's what they've bounced back at them uh, and to be fair that's a fair question because as i've said they've said that the profit will go to everybody so what's the what's the issue can't see an issue no. and this is the frustrating thing it, it should be simple it's so naive the fact that the national league board are not jumping all over this documentary and the publicity and the sponsorship opportunities that are, that just tells you how unprofessional and idiotic they are to be honest yeah and it, it reeks of arrogance to me it's like they've been embarrassed by Wrexham and Ryan Reynolds because yeah. we're quite a forward-thinking football club, forward-thinking donors. I just think the National League have been stuck in their ways for years now, especially when you compare them to the Football League and what they've done. I follow, I follow, exactly, yeah. I just think the National League are a bit hesitant to bow down to, even though we're right, the sort of demands and yeah, suggestions. Them yeah, there might be an element of that. You're right. Yeah. Uh, they did a good thing, though. Obviously, the highlights being able to be moved, that was great. Um, it wasn't uh, immediately obvious where you could see the highlights, though. I know my other half was looking for the highlights, but you couldn't get them on YouTube at that point. You had to log into the Wrexham player to get them, so that was a bit weird. Um, but obviously, we'll know for next time. Um, but it was much better that you can watch them. You know, I mean, you should be able to watch highlights immediately after a game it's stupid still naive but at least you can see them a day 24 hours earlier than we could before exactly and you know after you've had a good win it's almost the excitement wears off a little bit when you wait till sunday at midnight to watch it back and um, so to be able to watch them the same day as the match is a bonus again where this sunday midnight rule came from to begin with not a clue but Fair play to the National League on this one. They've uh, they've done the sensible thing, and it's a BT one. This the highlights. It's not the National League. Oh, oh sorry, National League. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's good news. Good news. Okay. And did you see uh, the next story? Was the impact of Welcome to Wrexham? Now, there was actually two really interesting articles ab about the impact of Welcome to Wrexham. There was another one about what we call social value um, uh, around engagement on social media, which we'll save for another day because it was really in-depth. But this was the money one, basically. Did you see that statement that we've put out? 
Is it three hundred and sixty thousand pounds of revenue over four weeks? Yes. So yeah. read. So basically, in retail, so we've got to be careful here. So in retail, we we basically went from twelve months ago for a for a sort of four week period, sort of some pennies shy of sixty thousand pound. Now, if you think back. We thought that was good because that was the new TikTok shirts. It was the, we still had yeah. you sort of, that new sort of new feeling with Ryan and Rob, and I remember thinking that's amazing. So to go from that to three hundred and sixty thousand pound is stupendous, um, and it just makes you wonder. Well, what could we have done if we'd have had more merch uh, <laughs> for people to buy? Which I know we keep going on about, but. You know, as I said, it doesn't have to be official football shirts. It can be T-shirts and all sorts. But, you know, it just it, I'm shaking my head thinking, you know, they, they could have been making even more. Um, and the window for this is really small. By the, When this documentary sort of fizzles out, it, the peak of it, you know, will start to fall. And we'll have missed our opportunity. So um, let's hope we can sort of maximise it. I know they're saying more training wear and uh, kits are going to be... Uh, a duo over the next few weeks, but you know, you've really got to maximize this and take your chance, haven't you? Exactly. I'm no mathematician, but if we had some more stock on the website, I think we could have added an extra 100k at least to those figures. And like you say, it doesn't even have to be an official kit, it can just be something with the Rex and badge slapped on because our new fans over in America they just want something to wear, something to put on their hats, something to showcase to the rest of the states that they're Wrexham fans and I've even tried buying some merch this week and there's literally nothing in Excel or in large and like you say it's frustrating because if we could have made so much more money as great as that figure is 360k over four weeks it's ridiculous I'd be surprised if any team outside of the Premier League could match those sort of merchandise figures um and the only disappointing thing is it could have been so much more. But let's hope going forward, we're restocked and we get the world out, get the word out there to the world. And it's also some great PR online. If we can get Americans posting pictures of themselves in these shirts with the Wrexham hashtag, it's going to improve our social media reach, which you met briefly mentioned earlier as well. Yeah, and, and interestingly, there are a few people that do unofficial merch um, around Wrexham and uh, or not just around Wrexham. Some people do, you know, unofficial merch, but I've got the odd T-shirt and stuff as well. And I've seen loads of people posting pictures of them with mugs and T-shirts and stuff this week. Um, so that's where they're turning to to buy something. And obviously the eBay where the shirts are going for daft money now i think i did see a green philly shirt from last season with 50 odd bids on it for nigh on three fifty four hundred pound i think you know that's why they're going to that because they can't get anything exactly um and people are well within their right to to put these on ebay and see how much they can get for them fair enough and if people want to pay it that's fair enough as well if you want the shirt pay what but the thing is it shouldn't get to that People no. should be able to buy them for 40 quid from the website. I agree. I agree. Uh, so we'll we'll uh, we'll finish that one and we'll touch on one you talked about. So Rob Leighton, so there was, uh, and actually I think that we there was a tweet that went out 
Uh, and a little video, I, I don't know if you saw the video, it was it was only a, a small clip of him trip back in training, in amongst it with the first team goalkeepers. So not training on his own or something, you know, he looked like he was in the mix with the other three uh, keepers that were there. And that was that was great to see. And I, I genuinely, genuinely think uh, that Mark Howard is in trouble when Leighton's fit again, because I would start Leighton over him every day of the week, personally. I know a lot of people wouldn't. Um, but I would. I think he's the best goalkeeper in the league when he's fit. And I, I, I think it'll be great to have him back and have them two competing um, at Christmas-ish time, which is what they're kind of hinting that he's sort of five or six weeks away. Yeah, it's, it's a very tough one. Um, if Mark Howard can be consistent in the run-up to Christmas or whenever Leighton's back, then... It's a really, really tricky decision for um, Phil Parkinson. If you ask me this, at the start of the season, after Howard's dodgy first few matches, um, including the game against Chesterfield, I'd say absolute no-brainer, get Lington in. But from the matches I've seen in recent weeks, Howard's been steady. He's done everything you would expect of him. He's not put a foot wrong. Granted, he's not been tested in most of the matches. But dropping your goalkeeper is a huge call. And I get that Rob Lainton is, like you say, probably the best goalkeeper in the National League. Um, but Mark Howard has proven in the last few matches he's decent as well. And if you drop Mark Howard um, for... Well, for no, if you drop Mark Howard and came to Mark Howard, you are my number two. And... How Mark Howard will react to that, I don't know. He won't be happy. He won't be happy. He won't be happy, of course. He won't be happy. And then what does that do for the atmosphere in training amongst the goalkeepers? Does it make things awkward? Is Mark Howard the ultimate pro? Will he just get on with it? What happens if Rob Layton gets injured and Mark Howard comes back in? Does Mark Howard come back in? Does someone else come back in? It opens a massive can of worms. But like you say... Would you open those worms to get Rob Layton back in goal? Yeah, I'm gonna put me I'm gonna put my best players on the pitch. Yeah, I'm not gonna be worried about upsetting people. I'm gonna be like, yeah, that's providing he's fit and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, uh Rob Layton. Well, I'm glad it's Parkinson's decision, not yeah. mine. I was <laughs> well, it's a good decision to have, isn't it? You know, very look nice at that. To have. Very We've got nice two to top have. level goalkeepers. Um, you know, despite his early woes. Uh, Mark Howard, he has settled down, so we've got two top draw goalkeepers now, um, which is, could be could be vital. You know, you get one sent off or whatever, that's going to be a real, you know. Exactly. I mean, I don't like criticising our own players, and I think Dibble's a decent keeper, but we saw in the Grimsby game, the playoff game at the end of last season, if, if Rob Langton plays that match, I think we go to uh, the playoff final. Okay. We'll leave that there. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. The uh, the ladies uh, made it two out of two with a six nil win. Uh, don't know if you saw that they played um, in their uh, uh, in their trophy group stage against Clanby United. Uh, in- inevitably, uh, Rosie Hughes scored five goals, um, <laughs> so, uh, which you know uh, is a bit. She's just it's. She's freakishly good, she is, for uh, uh, in that sort of league. Uh, and Libby McKenzie got one. But, 
Yeah, nice. To, you know, I've looked at the pictures and stuff. It looks like there was lots of people there, lots of young girls there watching. So, so that's great. It's great for them that they've got a team that's winning that they can watch, um, and obviously that the the young kids can sort of see it and engage with them and have photos with them and stuff after. Exactly, it's it's gaining momentum, which is great to see. Obviously, inspirational for lots of young girls playing in a local area. Team's doing great as well. Nice to have six nil wins for the men's team and the women's team. Um, and the question is, like we've discussed in previous podcasts, can we get the women to play at the race course in front of our fans at some point this season? Yeah, it'd be nice to give them a game or two, wouldn't it? And get uh, you know on a day where we're you know on a weekend when we're away or whatever, um, then that would be yeah. Yeah, it. Would be great. Yeah, perhaps we've got two weekends away in a row because we're away yeah. in the. Cup or the FA Trophy, fans want their race course fix. Why not? Why not get it done? Yep. Okay. Um, the reserves played today. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, is it another one-one? Another draw. Yeah. Kai Evans scored again. Again. Uh, yes. Um, but the reason that this really got this is, this is starting to be no, it's not starting to be. I'm just a little bit perplexed, really, at why that team that he's put out today. Uh, and to be fair, it's Dave Jones, it's not Phil Parkinson. So Calderbank Park has played in goal, so that's the new goalkeeper having a game. Uh, Bickerstaff's played, so that's good. That's like our, what, fifth-ish choice forward or something, uh, having a having a game. But other than that, it was all, it was, there was trialist A, trialist B, trialist C, trialist D. And then Trilis D came on as a sub. So we never saw McAlinden, Tunnicliffe. Uh, who were the other ones that we were earlier in the season that we were oh so Dolby didn't get an, you know get a start. Um and I just Dolby find I get because he's he's coming off the bench most matches and getting minutes under his belt. Yeah, maybe, but you'd give him half an hour or 45 minutes today, surely, to give him that, you know, he'd be buzzing after getting a goal. Um, the reserve team is the reserve team. Sam Dolby is a first team or first team squad player. He needs minutes, though. You can't, you can't, he's not going to get, he's not, you, can't, you couldn't start, you'd be struggling to start him next week when he's played about 40 minutes in total this season. Yeah, but does that mean he's not at training today? Does Parkinson want him in first team training so he knows what the plan is for Oldham away on Saturday? Well, the, as Parkinson said, the point for this is to you know to keep players match fit. That was that it was keep, keep first team as match fit, and to obviously let the youngsters develop playing against a higher sort of caliber of opposition. Um, and we talked about it last time, and we sort of you know Tunnicliffe has kicked a football all season. Surely that's a good game for him to go and play. Um, just seems a bit weird. That's you know, you, you've 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 sort of really pushed and probably spent a bit of budget to trying uh, to try and get your reserve team, and don't seem to be really utilising it the last couple of games. True, and I can see, yeah, the decisions not to play Tony Cliff or McAlinden, especially McAlinden, who's not even getting into the matchday squad. Why? Why is that? And if that's, like I say, the mission statement was to give squad players some minutes, we're obviously going against against mm. that, which is a bit strange. That Whether there's a reason behind the scenes, we don't know, but on the surface, it, it does look a bit weird. 
I mean, it was a, it was away from home, uh, away to Huddersfield Town. Um, so whether he didn't want to let him travel or what, I don't know. But it just seems a bit strange. That seems like a bit again, a bit of a missed opportunity to get some minutes into some of these, uh, into some of these squad players. Um, so we had a a, a five year ban as well. Did you see that last week? Or the use of flares in the ground? Flares, yep. So uh, somebody from Wrexham, somebody from quite close to the ground actually, got a five year ban in order. Which uh, there was a bit of controversy about it on my timeline. Some people were like, "Well, that's a bit stupid. All he did was throw a smoke bomb." Um, but the problem is that you're not allowed to throw a smoke bomb, whether you like it or not, whether you think it's stupid or soft or not. In the UK, you're not allowed to do it. So they've come down hard and sort of set set the uh, set the tone now, haven't they, of what to expect if you if you do it again. Exactly that, they'd set the tone. And if Wrexham, the club, are serious about stamping it out, then they're well within their right to issue strict punishments like that. I also think if you're stupid enough to throw a flare on the pitch, especially when we're losing or chasing the match, it costs the club in terms of fines, it disrupts play. And there is a little bit of a health hazard as well, just a little bit. I know it's not a major concern for most people, but it can cause issues, especially if it's someone... Um, a kid in the eye or on the face or something. Exactly. You, you'd feel a bit yeah. stupid then, wouldn't you? It, it could happen. That's the thing. It could happen. Um, so, you know what? I'm going to back the club up on this. I think if you want to stamp out this kind of behaviour, you need to issue strong deterrence, and that's exactly what it is. And hopefully people do take note and... Don't do it again. Things onto the pit because there's other ways of making atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, do what the Liverpool fans do when the players are arriving, getting the uh, you know, getting yeah. the get on the streets, and uh, when the bus is pulling up, etc. Um, and then Oldham. So yeah, we touched on it before. So it was uh, again, just reiterate it. It's ten to nine now on Wednesday night. Oldham <laughs> a week ago, I think, said you know they were going to have some sort of safety meeting this week to to see what was going on. And we've heard, still heard absolutely nothing. So I I, I believe that it, it would have to come tomorrow morning, the announcement for them to be able to sort of, you know, safely let people plan and book tickets and stuff. Um, so if it's not come by 10, 11 o'clock tomorrow, I think that's it folks, unfortunately. Yeah, I think the word on social media is there is going to be an announcement at some point tomorrow. But like you say, 48 hours notice is very short and unfair on supporters. Although I imagine if tickets are available, they'll get snapped up within minutes. It's just why is it taken over a week to, to have these talks? Should it not be the top of the club's agenda? Yeah, um, I, I, I guess the thing we don't know is that what, we don't know the detail, do we? So, like we were speculating, was it, you know, there's Manchester Derby, so that takes a lot of the GMP sort of police, doesn't it, you know, and distributing those people around. So, um, you know, we don't know the the details. It'd be nice if they just shared them and said, these are the considerations that's going on behind the scenes. Just so you know, we're talking about it, but these are the, these are the things that we're fighting against. Um, and it would just be interesting to know what was sort of going on. Yeah, and you are right. Behind the scenes, we don't know what issues or what concerns they have. And they need to make the right decision at the end of the day, whether they can cope with an extra 1,200 or so Wrexham fans in town. 
Um, but fingers crossed, we do get some more tickets to get 3,000 fans to an away day is going to be, well, it's going to make for a very special atmosphere and occasion. And I've seen the amount of people on social media, online who are desperate for tickets. I just hope that um, their prayers are answered and we can get to the game on, on Saturday. Because I mean, the system, when they went live, was it two weeks ago now? Yeah. On the it was so hard it to work. Get. It didn't work properly then, did it? Yeah, your tickets would go in your basket and then you'd get a message saying they're no longer available. Tickets would disappear and quickly when you were trying to select seats on the, on the map. Um, so not every fan who would have been at their laptop at 10 a.m. on that Monday got tickets, which is frustrating. So I hope for them we do get some more. So fingers crossed. Uh, so last couple of things. So um, just slightly wider, uh, I guess, in terms of National League news. I don't know if you saw today, but uh, James Rowe was charged today with the uh, sexual assault. So obviously that's sort of starting to just confirm the picture of why he ended up leaving Chesterfield. Uh, we obviously won't comment on it, but you know it is out there. His name's out there. It's it's you know it's it's official now. Allegation, um, isn't it? That's all it is at the moment. Um, it is. Uh, it's out there. The police have put his name out and everything. So uh, that he's yeah. yeah. So that that's that. The other interesting thing, and I'll have to see if I can find it, is the Football Supporters Association have put out uh, a little uh, questionnaire because they're starting to now be proactive uh, and look at ways of saving clubs money. Uh, lots of football clubs now are looking in. Uh, apparently, to turn the floodlights on costs three hundred pound an hour. Uh, in most grounds, that's in your average ground. It cost us more because ours are bigger and brighter than everybody else in the world of football. But so, with obviously the cost of living um, crisis coming, clubs now and and uh, organisations like the FSA are starting to sort of survey people to say, well, listen, what impact is this going to have? They're on about moving games perhaps from three o'clock to one o'clock so that, you know, when it goes dark in the winter at like four o'clock and you, like your floodlights are really, they're already on, but they're really effective yeah. then. Obviously, clubs wouldn't need to put them on. So obviously, um, th th there's all sorts of sort of different um, uh, ideas being put forward to help clubs uh, up and down the country. Um, so they've got an interesting little survey, which you can see on the, uh, uh, they have a, a Twitter handle is we are the FSA uh, for you to go and fill out where they're starting to gather information about, you know, will the cost of living crisis mean that you're not going to as many games? Will it mean you're not going to as many home games, away games? Will you not spend as much money when you're at the game? You know, how's it impacting you? Um, so it's worth going and having a little fill out and having a little look and keeping your eye on that because that's one that, you know, we're, I, we, we're out of that bubble, I guess, a little bit. If you think about it, now we're not under the trust and we've got, you know, we've got £360,000 in a month's worth of retail. We don't have to worry about that. But if you're a Chester who's got no money, for instance, um, then you, you know, and all these other not National League clubs... They're, and to be honest, they're talking about football league clubs as well. They are having to think about that now. Um, and they are putting forward ideas to try and, uh, you know, to try and start saving everybody a bit of money. Yeah. Um, all for that in terms of trying to save fans money because 
especially if you've got kids now, the match day experience is, is a lot of money. You've got obviously your tickets, you've got food and drink, you might have to factor in merchandise as well. It's not as if it's it's 20, 30 odd quid for the day. You're looking at closer to 60 quid. Yeah. If you're taking a family of four, for example, um, and I think we discussed it in a previous podcast, whether the club will do some, because we are in a privileged position in terms of match day revenue now is not as important as it was, although it is still very important. When we've got a cluster of fixtures in the winter, for example, can we do some kind of discount to make sure we're still getting sellout crowds and we're not forcing families to make the decision between football or paying their energy bills that month, for example. And, you know, this is an issue that will affect most people in the ground. We're all feeling the pinch at the moment. Obviously, with winter coming now, we're having to put our bill, well, our heating on, which is increasing our bills. Our water bottle. Yeah, you've got the right idea. You've got the right idea. Take that to the race course with you in the winter. <laughs> Some people do. I have seen people take yeah, yeah, yeah. flasks and hot water bottles. Blankets, flasks, hot water yeah. bottles. <laughs> um, nope. yeah. yeah, anything which the club can do or wider authorities can do to look after football fans in the coming months. Right. Um, yes, I've, I've retweeted that link, that little survey from the FSA. Um, I think, as I say, I, 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 just, I think we've probably bypassed it because as a club you know we're probably oblivious to it now yeah but obviously it might be that another club that we have a game with only wants to play at one o'clock on a saturday at their ground so that might affect us in the future you see that's why i thought it might be relevant yeah um and this is the reality isn't it maybe for part-time teams in our league the difference between not putting the floodlights on and putting the floodlights on is paying some of the players' wages for that month. Um, and you know what? As much as it would spoil, in my opinion, a match day experience, putting a game forward to 1pm to the 3pm, I'd say fair play to the club. If you want to save some money, do it. Yeah, anything to keep the football going. You know, exactly. it's, it's what I, you know, I'd rather be playing the game than not play it. And exactly. I have to be put out of my routine a bit. Um, okay, so... Uh, we come to the weekend, and I'll be making the short trip to Oldham. What about yourself? It's not far for you. Yeah, well, it's a bit of a shame because of the uh, the train strike. Myself and a friend were going to get the train from Preston to Manchester, but right. that's not happening anymore. But we're going to drive down, 40-minute journey, get to Oldham nice and early for a, a breakfast, maybe a pint. Um, but it's going to be a great day, going to be a great day. Yeah, I mean, this is the what was the first Premier League club to make it all the way down. So for the, uh, you know, this is a real example to our American friends or North American friends who sort of don't really get a lot of uh, relegation and promotion. You know, this, I, I don't know exactly how many years ago, but this is a club that was playing in the Premier League in its inception, I want to say they were. In the early years, they definitely were. Andy Ritchie and co., Joe Royal was manager, yeah. I think yeah. it was about 93, 94 they were there. So you know, this is this is a club that's that's been there and was in the Premier League and slowly but surely have sort of dwindled down and now in the you know, in our league. Um so yeah, big name, local ish as well. You know, it's not far away, is it, from us? You know, I think you'd 
it's as good as we get in terms of a derby now, isn't it? I think, you know, unless we get a Chester in the cup or a Tranmere in the cup or something, or a Stockport, obviously, in the cup. You're right, yeah. And it's nice that it's on a Saturday at three o'clock because we do have some matches this season which are kind of wasted on a Tuesday, 7.45. So this is the first time for a long time where it's a proper away day, two massive teams with good followings, and Saturday, three o'clock kickoff, a local team to play against as well. Sold that away end, and whether they release more tickets or not, it's got all the ingredients of being a, a five nil loss. <laughs> yeah, five nil loss. Um, you manager's you know, first game, it's all uh, John Rudy's coming back. They've got Ben Tollett, ex Wrexham player, Mike Fondop. Yeah, the Mike Fondop talent. Uh, uh, what did you put? So for those that haven't seen it on social media, there's been somebody trying to sort of scalp tickets, hasn't she, haven't they? And they've been trying to, uh, you know, sell tickets that they're, they're fraudulent. And somebody, I don't know who it was, you retweeted it, um, trying to trying to get tickets in the Mike Fondop Talon Terrace. Have you got two in the Mike Fondop Talon Terrace? They say yes. It's like, oh my god. Yeah, and then she goes, "How much would you pay for them?" I said, five hundred pounds. pounds. And she goes, yeah, that works for me. I bet it it does. This is why you have to be careful on uh, buying these tickets, people. Yeah, just so people know, the name's Grace Anderson, whether it's a a robot or just a a scammer. If if she approaches you... Don't buy the tickets. Please don't buy the tickets. (laughs) To be fair, to be fair... I, when I looked at the account straight away, I, I, I got the feeling that it was it, it wasn't right. It doesn't look right, you know, the the yeah. um, I don't know how to explain it sometimes, but the profile picture just you, you're like, that's not a UK picture. It doesn't look, you know, it just doesn't sit right, does it? Yeah, you look at the profile picture, the cover photo, it doesn't scream someone who's got two spare tickets for all the moment. The followers were not like Wrexham fans or anything like that because you'd be yeah. you'd think you'd be buying it off a Wrexham fan, but okay. I looked at the followers and the, there was none of that. So, and so, if you go next week, it's just her replying to people looking for tickets. Yeah, I think someone was looking for Bon Jovi tickets, and she said, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah." So, or he, whoever. Yeah, enough about her. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, How team, team news wise, I guess um, from our point of view. Uh, Mendy will be out McFadden will be in on we go yeah I can't see any other changes apart from that um, McFadden probably a decent player to have in this kind of game away from home uh, lively crowd experienced head seen it all before so yeah straight swap other than that can't see Parky changing it uh, we say this every week, or the only position is the number 10 position, doesn't even get Elliot Lee in, but I don't think he will. I think he'll stick with the, the same 11 bar, Jacob Mendy. Yeah, I agree. I think that's what it'll be. So the super spreadsheet is open for the score predictions. Should we, uh, I'll have to ask Richie actually, I'll message him now and see if he'll give me his score prediction because uh, obviously he's not with us tonight. Apparently a family meal is more important. Uh, So uh, before we look back at last week's, what's your sort of score prediction for this week? Oh, 
I've been looking at the old um, sort of social media community this week. Oh, well, doing some research now, are you? Research, yeah, <laughs> after getting things slightly wrong for the Torquay game. <laughs> All their fans are so, so negative. Um, against the cl- against themselves or against themselves, yeah. They're saying it's an awful team. Obviously, they got beat three nil uh, away at Bromley on Saturday in Unsworth's first game. They keep referring back to the Chesterfield game when Chesterfield went to Boundary Park and just never got out of second gear really and comfortably won. I think it was two nil in the end. And whether it's just typical fan pessimism or whether the team is that bad I'm not sure but Oldham fans don't seem very confident (coughs) we should be going there in plenty of confidence given our form in the last few games but the issue is whenever it comes to big away games against big teams in front of big crowds just seem to play within ourselves a little bit we saw it at Chesterfield uh, to some extent Southend and there was a few games at the end of last season where we just didn't turn up in big games away from home. And that's the only concern I've got on Saturday. Um, if we turn up and every player puts in a, a 7 out of 10, then we should win. Just a, yeah, just a case of whether we can handle the occasion. Um, so so just, hope- for a, just for a bit of context, sorry to interrupt you. Oldham have played 10 games. They're sitting fifteenth position with eleven yeah. points, um, which is this is part of the reason, obviously, that they've sort of changed the manager, isn't it? It's why Sheridan's gone. Uh, they did it in a weird way, really, didn't they? The way they sort of gave him a last game and stuff, but yeah. you know, whatever. Um, they're sort of uh, on Saturday they lost to Bromley, um, who are uh, you know no nobody in the National League is a mug, are they? Um, they're certainly not mugs. Um, and they're sort of, you know, their last five games, they've lost, they won at home to Eastleigh in Sheridan's last game, lost to Woking 3-0, lost to Chesterfield 2-0 and drew one all with York. So last sort of five games. So, you know, I think they're, I, they're, they're acclimatising, aren't they, to the National League, basically. Exactly, yeah. And the mixed results tell you that. Learning what it's what it's about. A lot of their fans will say we. I, I think the majority of their proper fans will say we didn't think we were going to come in this league and just bounce straight back up. Um, you know, uh, they've got to. They need to settle down, and it's worse for them now because obviously they've got a new manager who's probably going to have different ideas. So it, it's even. You know, it's even. It's it's even more of a problem for them. Um, but uh, you know, it's it. I think for Wrexham. And at Parkinson says it a couple of times in the documentary. It's about playing the game and not the occasion. You know, it's like you, you've said it exactly about that. It's a big game. You think about it. It's a big game on a Saturday afternoon, isn't it? When you think about it. But actually, it's second versus 15th in the league, which sort of isn't a big game, is it? So um, that's what we've just got to go there. Forget that it's Oldham, ex-Premier League club, you know, big... I don't, are we... If we call them a local rival, are they a local? I'm not sure if we get away with that. But, you know, big local game. and Just go and play your football, lads, and let's hope we can win by a couple. And I get that it is hard in these kind of matches. It's not going to be like playing Torquay at home. It's not going to be playing Maidstone at home. It's going away to a difficult ground with decent fan base. And like you say, not a derby, but it's going to be a big game. 
And for me, it's going to be won or lost on whether we can handle the occasion, whether we can keep cool heads. And like you say, Phil Parkinson saying, play the game, not the occasion. We play the game, put all the other stuff to one side and go, right, man for man, everyone on that pitch, you've got the better players. Goalkeeper, number 11, we're much the better team. Table suggests that. So if we can go out there, put a performance that we have been doing um, in recent matches, then we'll win. Okay, fair enough, Southend um, was the exception to that. But it's just about imposing our game. Don't let them impose our game onto us because you can imagine first home game under a new manager with a decent crowd, they're going to be chomping at the bit to put tackles in, get in our faces, stop us from playing, make it a hard game to play football in. I'd imagine they'll slow things down as much as they can, try and win niggly fouls, stop us from playing. Um, and the biggest name, the biggest name in the league is turning up as well. It's, you know, it's even, exactly. it's, it is even more of a sort of, you know, the scalp, isn't it? scalp, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm, this is my pessimism coming into it. You always think when you come up against ex-players that they're going to score. <laughs> and they've got three... Solid Rooney and Fondop Talam who couldn't score a goal between them, hardly. Yeah, well, credit to Rooney. I think in the season he was here, he scores some decent goals. Um, he was in a bad team, but he did stand out. Fondop Talam, you never know what you're going to get. He's an enigma, isn't he? You don't know what you're going to get with Fondop Talam. Sam Ricketts, Sam Ricketts speaks on the Fearless podcast about him and says, he, you know, he's really hard to manage. And you could tell that, couldn't you? He's got all the talent in the world, but he's got no drive and motivation. No common sense. I think, some he could have been the non-league Drogba. He could have. He could have. Um, but, you know, he can score a goal out of nowhere because he's just that kind of player. Um, then you've got Ben Pollitt as well. who got pace as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened to Tollett. He came from Tramia, didn't he, about three years ago, and we were raving about him when he first came, but then he just seemed to drop down the divisions. Um, I think he went to Fylde at one point. Um, but again, he's shown flashes of brilliance, and on his day, he can cause problems as well. But we've got a solid defence, and our attacking players should cause them a lot more problems than they cause us. Yeah, I think this game. I I agree with what you said before. I think that their only way to win this game, they're not uh, a slick enough operation yet to sort of win by playing fantastically attacking football yeah. in theory. So they win this by trying to keep it tight and snatch a goal. That's in. That's the. Th that's yeah. what you would think. Um, so if that's the case, we win this on set pieces probably. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't argue against winning on set pieces. I mean, we can score two or three set pieces in a game if you think about the long throws, the quality of the corners and free kicks. Exactly. If it's going to be a game of set pieces, then you'd still back us to win because yeah. of like, the long throw, the Hayden factor, Luke Young's deliveries in recent weeks have been sublime. So we've got a number of ways of winning this game if we wanted to, whereas, like you say, if they're going to win it, it's probably going to be a 1-0 Header from a corner, that yeah, kind of. Grab, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
So I'm going 3-1 because <laughs> I'm never confident in us keeping clean sheets. And like you were saying, you always feel like one of these exes will come back and score against you. It's just like, oh, for God's sake, who's left fond up talent free at the back post? Uh, so it's just got that air about it. But I still think we can win it 3-1. Fair enough. I'm going to go slightly more pessimistic. I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Oh, you can't yeah. say that. Oh, at the end of the day, it's still a tough place to go, regardless of league position. I think they're going to be banged up for it. Um, and a point's not the worst result in the world. I just, I'm going off our away performances. Yeah, I can understand that. I understand what you're saying. And I agree yeah. with you. We, we need to start showing some of this home form away from home and in the big games. Exactly, because big games away from home under Parkinson, apart from Chesterfield away that season. Well, we got battered first half in that, remember? Even then, first half, we should have been a goal or two down. So yeah. I'm only basing this on previous away performances in big games, but I would love to be proved wrong and be behind that goal, celebrating a win come Saturday. Um, so we'll wait on Richie's score. So we'll just go back to last week and we'll have a look. At the uh, at the sort of our predictions, so you went two nil, and me and Richie went three one. So we all got a couple of points for getting the right overall results, but nobody obviously gets the three bonus points for uh, for none of us predicted a six nil. I can't understand why that didn't happen. Oh, I cringe thinking about what I said <laughs> last week. I said Gary Johnson's going to turn up. He's going to make it difficult. It's Everything gonna... you've just said about Oldham, basically. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I'll take the two points from that and run. <laughs> so at the moment, in our little mini league that we started at the Dorking game, uh, you, you're you leading by two points, just so you know. Oh. Yeah, because you got that draw right at Southend. Uh, me and Richie yeah. went for wins. So uh, you lead the way. Long may it continue. Right, so I'll put Richie's result in when it comes. He's uh, he did say he was at a family meal tonight, so uh, he's not replied to me messages yet. <laughs> oh, I, I, ignore me. He has replied. He said three one Wrexham. He said exactly the same thing again. He, me and him nearly every week go three one Wrexham. Uh, so uh, so yeah, the last time we predicted results exactly like this, we went away to Southend and drew nil nil. I don't want the same performance as that, please. Agreed. Uh, so we'll wrap up just with a quick, a very quick thank you to not to you, Alex, because you're oh. you've got nothing to. Um, but uh, my other half, very kindly, uh, I don't know if you've seen it on my timeline, bought me some art this week. Very nice artwork it is as well. Very nice as well. So, uh, Largie's art, she's called. She does. Uh, I don't, my other half calls it quirky. I don't know if that's offensive or not to call it quirky. <laughs> but, um, yeah, she decided to buy me. She bought me a couple, actually. I showed you the print, actually, last week, and then the canvas has come has come yesterday. Um, and we, we had to say thank you because she was so accommodating. Uh, my other half asked for uh, some alterations because she wanted it to be a bit darker than what she'd done it originally, and it was nothing, none of it was too much trouble for her. Um, so uh, I thought, oh, it's only fair that we give her a bit of promotion. So I did put it on the Facebook pages, um, got that picture so people could see it. 
because not everybody knows it exists. And she doesn't just do pictures of the sort of the ground as well. She posts pictures of of old teams and old. Play- There's a Di Davis one that she's done for somebody that she's posted on her Twitter profile and on her Facebook profile today. So she does loads of Wrexham stuff. So you should definitely go and have a look because she'll do different. She she did this a bit smaller than she would do normally for us. Did a slightly smaller one because our wall isn't massive. Um, uh, so she can do different sizes. She does prints now because people were asking her for prints. Um, but obviously there's a couple of classic ones she does of the sort of turf and the, the sort of mould road stand and stuff. So um, so I have to say a big thank you to her and you should definitely check her out. So on Twitter, she's at Art Largies, which is the opposite to what uh, her handle is. Is If you just search for Largies Art, you'll find her. Uh, and she's local, she's in Wrexham uh, and she's ever so good and... Uh, I'm very pleased. I put it up today. Uh, it looks brilliant at the back of our sofa, uh, and uh, I, you know, I say I've got my little print. I've got to put that up. I've got to get a frame for that and put it up here above the above the PC here. Um, so I was very pleased with that, and I was like, that's going to be worth millions in a few years. I'm sure. Imagine if I put that on eBay now. It might it might make a grant. <laughs> Telling everyone I 
Back in the football league. 